man, can't you just like celebrate your freaking wins and and take take like a month or so before you like think of the next thing that you got to do, the next thing that you have to achieve, and that's part of perfectionism. They're not satisfied with the wins. Well, I learned a lot that from you, actually. Mm. You know, um, you talk a lot about gratitude and about appreciation, and um, you know, I I really learned learned how to appreciate the wins. I learned how to appreciate others as well, mm. you know, but my initial nature is to find the flaw and point out the flaw so that the flaw doesn't happen again in myself and in others. And that's maddening to some to some people on my staff and to my, my wife. wife I was just <laughs> yeah, you know. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And in this episode, perfectionism and perfectionistic tendencies and traits. And I have a conversation with a very good friend and colleague, Corey Costanzo. Corey has been on many of my podcasts and I just really love having conversations with him. So if you're first time listening with Corey, he is a trauma specialist, also a licensed addiction counselor, and a licensed massage and bodywork therapist. He is also the owner of Still Point Wellness Spa here in Asheville, North Carolina, which is Asheville's premier spa. They have saltwater flotation tanks and world-renowned Esalen Massage. So if you want to learn more about Corey and Still Point, you can go to their website, stillpointwell.com. And we talked about some of our own experiences of having some perfectionistic tendencies and also working with clients that have the same. You know, some of the signs that you're a perfectionist is all or nothing thinking, right? Almost perfect is seen as a failure. Or also some signs are being highly critical and that can really mess up in your relationship because you're not only critical about yourself, you're very critical about others in your life. Perfectionists have unrealistic standards, very high at setting their goals. They often even set goals that are out of reach. And a lot of times perfectionists, they only focus on results and not the process, which also can lead to feeling depressed because you have these unmet goals. It also can cause defensiveness and procrastination. So Corey and I, we navigate this topic of perfectionism. And before we get on to that conversation, I want to make sure that you visit my website, prepo.com, to learn more about my work. You can also sign up for my newsletter there. You can follow me on Instagram at prepo And I'm also thinking about 
maybe getting more involved in Twitter to put out some relationship tips and also some insights for some people's daily use. You can check out the show notes for links for the social media and also more on Cork Stanzo. Okay, everybody, well, one thing that we all know about perfectionism is one antidote to that is to be okay with just being a human being and be humble about our mistakes and know that this is just a work in process. So that's what I wish for all of you, that you be kind to yourself and also kind to others and give ourselves and others a little slack sometimes because it's really no fun to be a perfectionist. Okay, everybody. Here we go on my conversation with Corey Costanzo. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. My man, my man. Prepo. <laughs> so good to be back. Yeah, man. We haven't hung out in a couple months. Last time we hung out with a mutual friend, which was cool, but we didn't have our our time. So tonight's our time. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. 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 I just thought about this topic um, and thought, yeah, you would be a good guy to talk about it. I don't know why. Just not because I see you as perfectionist or all that, but just to have the um, the honesty around perfectionism and what do you experience in your life and what you experience in your work. Because as we know, it could be a real shadow side of relationships around perfectionism. So it wasn't because I'm on year two and a half of the second location for Still Point Wellness number two, and I haven't opened yet. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> uh, it's causing some stress, huh, bro? Oh, man, you don't even know. Mm. So much stress. Yeah. However, the amount of stress that it's causing, it's also causing the, the other side of the pendulum swing in some of the most lucid, deep, incredible moments of my life mm. during the stress mm. yeah so and and once it's all over oh man my my tube as i like to envision it my life is a tube to allow the life force coming through me is going to be multiplied so can you allow yourself i imagine when you start off two and a half years ago you had a certain vision of where you would be um, two and a half years or probably a year ago where it would be. And that, that ain't that ain't reality. So like that's part of this topic a little bit around perfectionism of where you think you should be as opposed to where you are, where we are. How do we accept that instead of thinking that we have to do things so right, so, uh, no mistakes. No, and I don't. I'm not saying that you're not thinking that you're making mistakes through it, but I imagine on some level you've got to just deal with acceptance of where you are. You know, let's stay macro for now, right? So with perfectionism, I feel like what I also would love to get to in our conversation today is the root cause or what's underneath the perfectionism, the etiology 
of the perfectionism and also some of the consequences, some of the negative consequences. Positive consequences, let's go there too. Negative consequences for sure, just so that everybody can open their eyes to the potentials of that shadow side in relationship and in the self of perfectionism. So does that pertain to like uh, not feeling that you were perfect in your family's eyes because you want to show them like, hey, uh, I got this business going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like I find myself isolating right now. I find myself like not reaching out to some, you know, old school friends and, you know, not calling my family members as much. And and but, like we're talking about family of origin stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. yeah. But man, I'll tell you, when we're rocking and rolling, which we will be, and increasing the impact that we're having on the community and on individuals' lives through what we do with super relaxation, helping people learn how to super relax, which by the way, is kind of a new, a new thing of mine. I'll tell you about it later on, maybe in the podcast or maybe later when we have dinner. You know, the impact is going to be, is going to be big impact. That kind of impact that I see myself, the, the potential of myself making in my life right? When that does happen, you better believe I'm going to be calling people a lot mm. more, right? And I'm going to be like, so there's a hiding. happier, I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be more energetic, you know? And I'll tell you right now, it's because it's tied into my self-worth. And, and, and that's why as a perfectionist, I am definitely a perfectionist without a doubt. And, you know, the dark side of it is that when it's going great, yeah, I'm on top of the mountain and I am present and I'm with you. And when it's not going great, you know, I, I don't feel so good. I don't feel so good. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, like I might have stomach aches because of the stress. I might not go out as much. I might not be connected to my life force as much. So then it becomes conditional. Right. That's a dark side of perfectionism for me. It's, it's that, it becomes conditional to, to how I show up in my life. Mm. And the people around you, like you said, hiding. If you're hiding yourself, you're not giving yourself to your friends, your family, other people in your life until you might experience like some condition for you to be able to feel that self-worth to give yourself. That's right. Uh -huh. That's right. And it's all self-induced too. You know, like my friends and family love me no matter what. They tell me all the time. You know, it's just, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, part of, it's just part of me and, and what I've become, what I've allowed myself to become. So what I'm trying to do is be more aware of when I'm doing that with myself and when I'm doing that with my kids, hmm. when I'm doing that with my friends, with other people, you know, and especially, especially with my kids, like my daughter is applying to colleges now, you know, and there's a, a couple of colleges that she's applying to that are, um, uh, you know, top tier, really competitive, really hard to get into colleges. And, um, you know, I find myself asking her more about those colleges, you know, <laughs> um, and universities than some of the other, some of the other less, less competitive ones. And I really have to check myself, you know, that I don't do any kind of implicit or hidden bias, you know, because I, I do not want to pass along the perfectionist hmm. gene or the perfectionist way. 
So how was that growing up? I mean, was that pushed on you of expectations? You know, you talked about, of course, being a child of immigrants, work ethic, and and I'm sure, like, you know, making sure that you're good people of society, you know, and uh, helping people out and so forth. But you can tell your own your own experience. But how, how did that show up to give some seeds to that perfectionism? Absolutely, that's right, yeah. You know, my parents were teenagers when they when they came over. They met here in in the states a couple of years after they came over. And for them, you know, there was no there was no choice. Like they had to get it right. If they didn't get it right, then it was gonna it was it was very dangerous mm. for them and for their parents and for my aunts and uncles. Like everybody had to make sound financial decisions had to get it right and their safety was their safety was was uh in jeopardy or at or at risk so i feel like i took that on for sure where i had to get it right i had to get all a's i had to i had to work as hard as i can possibly work and always be doing something did you get rewarded for more of that and frowned upon for the other I would say so, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure, yeah, and that that definitely led to led to this perfectionist nature, which you know has some good sides, right? It's like I've been able to really um, love the work that I do and um, work hard at learning my craft as a counselor and as a body worker and as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You know, I've. And it shows, you know, we have 20 employees that that are amazing people, you know, making big impact in the community through Still Point. And but I see you sell, you know, one aspect of perfectionist, you know, the spectrum of of being a hardened perfectionist. Because I don't see you as a hardened perfectionist all the time, right? Because I see you celebrate perfectionism. Usually people have a hard time celebrating some wins. You know, it pisses the shit out of me when I'm watching some, you know, championship sport event. And the next thing after they win the championship, they talk about, yeah, we're going to celebrate and party tonight. And then tomorrow we're going to get back to the drawing board and, and really work hard for the, for, for the next season. And I'm like, man, can't you just like celebrate your freaking wins and, and take, take like, a month or so before you like think of the next thing that you got to do, the next thing that you have to achieve. And that's part of perfectionism. They're not satisfied with the wins. Well, I learned a lot of that from you, actually. Mm. You know, um, you talk a lot about gratitude and about appreciation. And, um, you know, I, I really learned, learned how to appreciate the wins. I learned how to appreciate others as well Mm. you know but my initial nature is to find the flaw and point out the flaw so that the flaw doesn't happen again in myself and in others and that's maddening to some to some people on my staff and and my wife wife, i was gonna just say (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know oh honey great dinner except you know it's a little bit uh, a little bit spicy oh god the pumpkin pie last night was terrible Yeah, so I, I really do have you you to thank. Mm. If anybody listening, you know, find 
find the podcast. It was early on, one of your first ones on appreciation. Yeah. And um, it's just beautiful. It's really beautiful. It was a game changer for me. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thanks. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about also there's there's this part of me that Rainbow calls it my Capricorn rising where I'm, you know, I persist. And like, you know, if I can't figure something out, like I stay with it. I stay with it. I try to figure it out. But I don't know if that energy is attached to that. I got to make it perfect or that I just want to try all that I can to figure it out. And then, then if I can't, I can like let it go. But I, I have a certain focus of a persistence, but I, I don't believe that it's overboard to the feeling of, of shame when I don't uh, fix or achieve or move through what I, the adversity that I'm trying to move through. Because I think, because one big part to me of the balance of perfectionism is a, and I say it on my podcast, I probably said it five times, what I'm focused more about is trying to understand what humility and humbleness is as a human being. And it brings a lot of strength to me when I really feel humble. And that's a real good counterbalance to like humbleness and humility to me is being a human being. Perfectionism, it's that's fucking unattainable as a human being. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes I leave dishes out and I leave things kind of like disheveled just, just so that I break the perfectionist kind of thing inside of me, you know? Mm. I'm like, I'm like, I like things that actually have flaws in them. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit of a, um, of a paradox also. I'm definitely a perfectionist with some things and also, you know, living on like a little kind of micro farm with, we have pigs and chickens and, you know, a couple acres of land. It's like, there's always stuff that needs to be done. And I am fine with just leaving projects half done or not done, you know, like, Robin's really taught me this a lot, actually. So if anyone's a perfectionist out, out there, it's like, okay, where do I, choosing where I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I let go so that I can spend more time with my kids? You know, I think that's a really important part, um, thing for a perfectionist to learn. Because before I started doing that, then, you know, how I showed up in the eyes of others was coming first before spending time with my kids. Mm. And I see that happening in a lot of people that I work with as a counselor also. They grew up in a family system where they had to be perfect. Parents and the family had to always be dressed perfect. Always the house needed to be perfect. They needed to say the right things and do the right things. And as a result, the the kid didn't feel unconditionally loved and accepted to be themselves. So they had to really wear like a really strong mask for the community. And that twists up some kids and some kids start getting their priorities out of whack and aren't connected to their inner truth and allowed to express their inner truth. And then as an adult, you know, it starts coming out sideways. Like how? As an adult? Like repressed anger, repressed rage, leading to maybe irritable bowel irritable bowel syndrome, right? And a whole host of um, uh, physical manifestations, hmm. you know? Because when I repress rage, I'm squeezing, I'm tensing. It might be subtle, it might be subconscious, but I'm kind of like keeping it in, I'm repressing. So when you squeeze and when you tense, especially in the gut, you know, energy doesn't flow there. 
uh, life force doesn't flow there, blood doesn't flow, and it's pretty practical, you know. And mm-hmm. then that kind of opens up the uh, opens up the door for you know chronically over time for disease and disease and right. ailments and things going wrong. And behaviorally, that could turn into also being very critical, not just critical on themselves, but very critical of their partner and people around them. Because that means that they can never do enough or they could be kind of subtle about it and always give suggestions and constantly have to, you know, not get their hands in all the cookie jars and just like lay off because they need to, you you know, the person that may, you know, come to your house and everything, maybe just move the glass just a little bit because they think it's going to be better over there. You know, that subtleness of saying that, let me just do it a little bit better, a little bit right. So that, that really shows up also later on in their relationships yeah absolutely and then it's like projecting you know and it's um an unrealized life you know an unexamined an unexamined life then somebody will have trouble as an adult in relationships because they're projecting all that um all that perfectionism that they had to do when they were in family of origin as 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 kids and get it right all the time they're projecting that onto their partner because that feels familiar to them. And I think sometimes they have a hard time what we, before we talk about appreciation. A lot of people that I encounter that have more perfectionist attitude, they have a hard time taking in an appreciation because they don't think that it's good enough. Mm. And so how that shows up in a relationship is you're never going to have this this real beautiful give and take of appreciations. One person, the perfectionist, won't really take it in and when they don't take in the person that's giving it sometimes just gives up and says shit why why in the hell should I keep giving you appreciations or gratitude when you're not Mm -hmm. really taking it in and that when you don't have that in the relationship that just causes a lot of fermentation for disconnection it's one question that I actually ask to a lot of my clients from a somatic experiencing perspective is how much can you allow yourself to take that in Mm -hmm. And it's a really wonderful question and it's worded in a wonderful way because it's very non-judgmental, kind of like, you know, let's get curious about this. 5%, 20%, 75%, 100%. How much can you allow yourself to take in right there? It's a wonderful inquiry. Yeah. I recommend everybody, everybody try it. Just like next time someone gives you appreciation, just ask yourself, how much am I allowing myself to take in this appreciation. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's, it's. Yeah. And if you want to take in more, just breathe it in. Mm, you're yeah. taking a little bit extra when yeah. you're taking it in. Yeah. You know, and it, pause and pause too, right? Because a lot of people, when they, uh, with this kind of dynamic, right, they might receive an appreciation and, be, and and just be very quick to be like, no, 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 no. Let me give you an appreciation. Right, they deflect it yeah. back. So just kind of pausing, yeah. feeling into the body, feeling the feet on the ground, feeling into the heart space mm-hmm. or wherever you feel it in your body and just breathing, breathing that in. Yeah. You know, it. some people too, you know, with appreciation, I find that, that they, that they don't even attempt to do it because of perfectionism. Like they think that they got to do it just right, just perfect. A lot of times people don't attempt things like that. Or I know for me, there was times where my perfectionist attitude came out around like creativity and art. Like I wouldn't go and do an 
a piece of art or a painting because it had to be a fucking Picasso, man. You know, if I did it, I got to get accolades. I got, ooh, Rainbow, you artist. Look, it's great. Isn't it great? Instead of somebody just going, oh, hmm, don't get it. Okay, what? I, I needed, I would freeze and not do it because I would psych myself out thinking that it's got to be good and it's not good. I would disappoint myself mm. by it not being good. Maybe the guitar is an example of that. The guitar is an example of that. You know, Rainbow keeps saying, just play. You just play, make those sounds. Either. I'm like, yeah, but we're gonna, it's not that good. I don't know how to play a song. And instead of just, you know, even liking how the guitar just sits on my lap, you know, or just mm -hmm. the feel of it or just some sounds that come out. But yeah, I think like I'm supposed to, I think because I also excel in so many areas of my life in the past, that it should come easy. Mm. Like, you know, as opposed mm. to like, man, that shit takes, you know, somebody told me, you did 10 minutes a day for many, 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 many days, yeah. you know, not like you're going to get it over three weeks. Yeah. 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 And I know that. I know what practice takes, but there's something about when a, a, like a new endeavor, I don't even want to like, oh, sometimes it's going to like, that's going to be a long process. I wish I could just have, you know, just be like some, some what it's like a prodigy of just like a virtuoso that just shows up you know like wow where did that talent came it came from god you know like Wouldn't that be great yeah right <laughs> <laughs> takes effort takes time and effort yeah yeah so perfectionism hmm. what out of the ways in your practice do you see that perfectionism gets in the way of authentically relating with couples well you know, I'll just speak for me too, is I, with the humility, like I've been way, way, way more relaxed over the years, and especially I feel really good about being a therapist in my work around I'm not feeling a perfectionism come up of how I've got to show up. I, I feel like I'm going to show up well. Maybe I'll show up 75% capacity and then maybe that 95, 99, but I'm going to be somewhere in there. And to me, that's that's good enough in some ways. And because Ooh. I'm really given, I'm given a lot. 75% is, is still a lot. <laughs> I think it is to the level of, I think, my skill. Have you heard of the good enough mother theory? Mm -mm. Oh, this no. is an amazing one. I learned it when I was in graduate school. So I forget who it was, but a very, very well-respected theorist, psychological theorist, I think Winnicott might have mm. been the one, um, came up with the good enough mother theory saying, if you get it right as a parent, 30% of the time, then you're a good enough, you're a good enough parent. You're not gonna wow. mess your kids up. Wow. That's really, really low, isn't That's it? That's really low. Yeah. 30% yeah. of the time. And getting it right is like saying the right thing, being there if your kid falls down and scrapes the knee. Right. Like getting yeah. it right. Because parents really a lot of a lot of people especially more mothers, I think, have a perfectionist attitude about being a perfect mom. Right. And also it's kind of like a lot of bullshit because of what we see in in society and social media that mom's got to juggle all this, be a, be a, a, super, a mom. super mom, be a sexy wife, be a wonderful playmate, be a yeah. homeschool mother, all this bullshit. Right. And so many, that's why I see also in my practice, a lot of moms are really hard on themselves right. for for thinking that they got to be this perfect mom instead of just 
knowing that they're a loving mom and there there's no there's no instruction manual man yeah. getting it getting it right too often leads to like being a helicopter mom yeah. it leads to like you know not allowing the kid to make mistakes and learn on their own yeah you know and also the most important thing is repair so when you don't get it right there you go. do you repair or do you ignore or do you shame or do you shame yourself? Like what happens when you don't get it right? When there's a miss, a misattunement. Yeah. Yeah. Repair is the number one protective factor in a relationship. You got that right. Exactly. So people should be less focused on the perfect encounters and more focused on repair. Right. Because if you do repair, you go deeper in connection and harmony. And that's going to be inevitably what you need to do in your interactions. Yeah. Not get it perfect, get so it right. So let's break this down for the self, right? Like, how can we repair with ourselves when I don't get something right? How can I repair with myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know for me, uh, again, this humility thing around just, I'm pretty quick to go, man, you know, I, I I got life okay. You know, I'm making, uh, you know, my reflection around my appreciation of I have good encounters. I, 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 I have meaningful work. I'm, I give myself well in my life. And so that's a reminder of me. And, and again, this baseball analogy that I keep coming up with because I ba played baseball for so long. You fell seven out of 10 times, man. Mm -hmm. You're batting 300. Mm -hmm. You're a multi, multi fucking millionaire. Mm -hmm. So they take it easy on yourself. So yeah. for me, that's like, I'm hitting the, you know, I'm, I'm getting some hits. I'm getting some hits. I am going to take some swings and miss. I am going to do that in life. Yeah. And so that's where the self-compassion really comes in. I always right. tell people that, that, that the level of loving ourselves and self-compassion is is the self-repair. Because if I fuck up and I make a mistake and, oh man, I, I forgot to call this person or I treated this person in a negative way or whatever it is. I let if, my anger get the best of me. Right, you know, I let the anger get the best of me. I judged real quickly, I, I was impatient. I'm feeling depressed today and you know, my friends want me to go out and I, I don't feel like going out. I just feel like being being depressed and staying at home. Oh, I shouldn't be staying at home. I, I shouldn't be isolating. I shouldn't be depressed. Right. Instead of accepting that I am. Right. And then self-compassion. Exactly. Yeah. Self-compassion. So that's repairing. Mm. Like you said, that's a great one is repairing ourselves. Yeah. If we can repair ourselves, we're going to have a lot more compassion to be able to repair with somebody else. You know, here's another tool that I that I use is is self-touch. Um, and it's like typically what I'll do is I'll I'll feel the place the place in my body that's not that's not feeling self-regulated or not not feeling not feeling good. So like let's say I, I don't do something right and I feel that I feel that perfectionist nature in me can start being critical or start beating myself up. I'll take a hand and I'll put it, in, for me it's normally on my belly or on my chest, and I'll just gently place a hand there, just like a knife, warm knife cutting through butter, you know, cutting through warm butter, right? I'll just, I'll just lay the hand on there and I'll just connect with myself, feel the breath rise and fall, you know, feel the quality of the breath, and just give myself a little pause. 
That's self-compassion right there. Yeah, that's it right there. Mm -hmm. Mindful self-compassion. Oh, I forgot to tell you, there's a mindful self-compassion workbook that I just bought. Because one of our recent podcasts that we recorded together, um, you, you spoke about self-compassion. And it got me really thinking a lot. And, and I started... Um, I started recommending to my clients that they that they practice mindful self-compassion. And I was like, oh, let me see if there's a workbook out there. And sure enough, there is. I think Kristen Neff yes. is like yes, Christine really, Neff. Christine yep. Neff is she's yep. amazing. Amazing. Yep. This 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 workbook has been really helpful for a lot of people. You know, you know, I was just thinking about like some of the shadow side of, of perfectionism and not being able to have self-compassion for ourselves. If there's a partner that is so marred in, in perfectionism and has a hard time being self-compassionate, then that means their partner has to constantly soothe them instead of them soothing themselves. So they're constantly coming with things that they made mistakes and that they can't accept, they can't give themselves compassion, and then they're gonna need it more from somebody else. That other partner feels obligated and most of the time, if, if I don't have self-compassion, it's going to be hard for me to take in somebody else's compassion. Mm -hmm. So that other partner is going to be working hard in overtime, trying to give compassion and compassion. They're going to feel drained. Yeah, it might set up a dynamic for enmeshment and for codependency. Right. Big time. Big time. It will set that up. Yeah. And we did whole whole podcast on, two podcasts on codependency. Right. Which I think was was one of our most um, well received podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Early on. Yeah. So, how are you working with uh, more of the perfectionism around Still Point opening up? And any day now. Any, any day, day now. I've been saying six weeks for the last year. I mean, can you accept like where you're at with it? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm really trying to I'm really trying to respect my team and and figure out like where I need to push and where I need to yield. Because in my mind, I don't want to go home to New York for Christmas with my family without being open. <laughs> and then once I realized that, wait a second, I'm pushing because I don't want to feel the shame of not opening when I go to New York right. and have everybody ask me, when are you opening? When are you opening? Right. Right. So once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm actually making it very stressful. I'm, I'm like taking my own stuff now and I'm making it very stressful on my staff. So you don't want to feel shame for coming home and saying, yep, still not open and so therefore not feeling that you don't want to feel shame then your behavior is hiding pushing did you say yeah pushing mm -hmm. pushing yeah and it's and it's it's causing stress it's causing stress for the staff it's causing stress so are you okay with so what it would be like if you just go home on christmas and say yeah yeah we're not we're not open yet yeah that's what's gonna happen hmm. it's gotta happen so like, why aren't you fucking open yet? <laughs> what was it like? You got to get the right, just just the right painting in the in the front room, just so when people. I mean, is it that kind of like oh, man when level? You, when you see when you see how beautiful this space is going to be 
decorated and designed. So you just want to get it just right. I want to get right. it. I want to get it just right. So is that is there a difference between that and perfectionism? Like really wanting to do it well. And sometimes when we do it well, it takes time. It it blows out some of our plans because we really want to do it well. So is well different than it's got to be perfect? I think it's a little bit of both hmm. for me. It's mm -hmm. a little bit of both because I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely like I'll research something like these benches, right? So we need about eight benches around the spa. I could have these benches in two days if I get the teak ones off Amazon or they have some other places around town where they sell these teak benches, right? However, somebody said to me, wait a minute, check this out. Live edge, black walnut, epoxy filling in the cracks and you can put some gemstones in the epoxy that'll shimmer. Yeah, now you're talking local artisan, you know, yeah. now you're talking another three to four weeks, if that, you know. So my eyes got really wide and for the last week I've been on the hunt for these for these benches, you know, but now we got to open. So it's it's probably going to be the teak benches mm -hmm. for now. Right. Because so, I think then that, right, after a there you while, go, right? Can, Isn't that something know. like what we need to do more of in our lives is like, okay, we have this vision that's out there. It's like, but for now, maybe I'll just do this, knowing that in six months, in a year, I can experience this. I can get this. You know, I think it, I think it relates. I'm thinking back to like my party days in New York City where it would be like, I'd always be in search for the better party. No matter where I'd be, I'd be like, all right, maybe there's a better party out there. You know, mm. we'd go to four or five different venues or different lofts or whatever it is, you know, throughout, throughout the night in search of the better party. So do you think people do that with the relationships? Always searching for the Ooh. better partner, right? It's gotta be somebody just better out there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I used to do that with this one. I was dating, uh, kind of. I was dating one of my neighbors, and in my apartment complex, and I would always this this yeah. This is the days that people wasn't so conscious in in the way that he related. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with with her, she was hot too. Like I, I had a motorcycle, and and she just moved in, and I saw her go up, and I asked her. I said, "Hey, you want to go for a ride?" And she was going on a date, and 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 she told me. I said, "Well, what time's your date?" She goes, a couple of hours. I go, I'll be back in an hour and a half. So she got on the motorcycle. We took this ride and, you know, I kept, you know, hitting her thighs a little bit. So she'd squeeze my legs a little bit. You know, we were getting all, you know, all squeezy on my on my motorcycle. So That's I can, what you motorcycle yeah, riders do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. And uh, brought her back and got her on with the date. But when we started kind of like dating and, and having sex and, but she just wasn't, you know, I, I was looking for something better, even though she did, there was a lot of hot things about her, but at that time I was looking for something better. So I would not tell her whether we would get together on a Friday night and Saturday until like something better didn't come along, right? Mm. Like until like Thursday when I when she would ask, are we getting together? Well, I'm not too sure things, I gotta see how things kind of unfold with this or that. I was looking for something better. Mm. It's horrible, mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and hey, Ronnie, if you are listening, I am so sorry I treated you that way. I was so out of an integrity. 
you did not deserve to be treated that way. I do feel ashamed of that behavior and I apologize. Thanks for, you know, sharing a vulnerable story. I appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. Makes me makes me think of something. Oh, I think I lost it. Mm. I lost a vulnerable it. story. Well No, I'm, it wasn't a vulnerable story. It was just something that came to my mind when you were when you were when you were talking. Mm. Well, again, you know, like another story that came to to mind a little bit that we discussed around. I remember as a kid, um, my parents always thought that I was I was the good one of the of of me and my sister, and that I could do no wrong. And I remember feeling some of that pressure as a kid of I had to always perform if I didn't get good grades. If I was I was always good in athletics. And then we talked about dance, and I was really excelled in dance. And when my parent got, got divorced, I quit dancing. And some of it was like a fuck you to them. You caused you cause me pain here. The thing that was you were so proud of with me, I'm taking that away from you. And yeah, that had its that 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 had its shadow side with that. But there was something about independent to relieve me of being good, that I had to always do the right thing or please somebody else by me performing. So it was something about like taking my autonomy back mm. and saying like, I get to choose where I put my energy, not doing it just for you so that you'll feel good and proud of me. So I think that that, that was a good, a good lesson for me in that way. I imagine a lot of people listening can relate to that mm. either because that's how they were parented or maybe they're parenting in that style yeah. it's a it's it's hard for me as a parent you know to have complete unconditional unbiased love and honor and respect for whatever my kids choose it's it's hard for me to do that yeah you know there's there's definitely part of me that that this ego part of me that feels filled up when one of my kids does something um, impressive or really well, or gets a lead in the play, or you know wins at something, or you know I feel a sense of pride for that. Yeah. And sometimes that that might send the message that it's better to win than to lose, and you have to win in order to get dad's approval. Right. And I think like that's aligned with do we instill in our kids to focus on extrinsic value systems or intrinsic value systems, right? Talk some Extra, more about that. Extrinsic value system is the accolades, the credentials, the, the grades, the shiny trophy. Intrinsic value system is what somebody is motivated within themselves mm. around being kind, being patient, uh, being um, generous. If I'm motivated by intrinsic value systems, yeah. it's not about the bells and whistles. Working hard at something too. Exactly. Right? That's right. right. Yeah. I used to practice this because I learned it in a parenting course that I took where it was like, when your kid brings home an A, instead of saying, oh, way to go, you got an A, great, you're so smart, awesome. You say something like, wow, I imagine you worked really hard for that A. Mm. What was that like? Mm. That's, that's, I think, 
I think, um, you know, the extrinsic, the extrinsic motivator would be the A, right? Right. Where it's like the work that put it, that went into the A is the is the intrinsic. intrinsic. Exactly. Yeah. And then if they come home with a D, then it could be like, oh, tell me a little bit about your your you know how much work you put into this exam, you know. Oh, what what prevented you from putting the kind of work that you needed to put to get a better grade? Oh, I'm just really tired because I'm not feeling well lately. Oh, what do you mean you're not feeling well lately? Yeah, my stomach's been really hurting me these last couple of weeks. Oh my goodness, really? I didn't realize that, you know? Yeah, I, because dad, you've been such a pounding me and pushing me perf perfectionism that it's fucking <laughs> my stomach up. Because dad, you've been working on this new location for two and a half years. You haven't even hung out with me at all. Oh, jeez. You used to be so much fun, dad. Oh, what are you doing to me? Hey, well, I will say, because it, I know that we're hungry. It's beautiful that you're giving me this time with all this pressure that you got and that you made this time for us to do this. And then we're going to hang for a bit. We're going to grab a meal. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that you're not so far off, you know, balanced that, you know, we're not like, hey, man, it's been a, been a month or so, two months. You know, let's let's live our life and... and uh, it will all work out. Yeah, well, so. I, I probably don't need to, but I will tell you again how much your friendship means to me. Tell me, it, tell me how much it means. To you. It, it, I just, I just love having you in my life, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel so safe when I hang out with you. I feel cared for. I feel like, you know, the attention and the care that you that you have for me and for our friendship is evident, and. And I just, I love you, man. Mm. I feel really lucky to have you in my life. Mm. Thank you, brother. You got that perfect, man. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks appreciate for having you, me brother. on again, buddy. Mm -hmm. Love you, bro. Yeah, I, I really am grateful that you made the time today. Sweet. Yeah. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.